podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. I was Reconciling Congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Today's reading is from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. 
If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Word of the Lord. You pray with me, please. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. How many of you enjoy the pastime people watching? Well, now that our communities are beginning to open up again, this activity is back on the table. And yes, we are all a mix of extroverts and introverts, but we humans are social creatures in the sense that we are interested in others, even if we want to engage from a distance or at our own pace or in limited chunks of times as some of our introverted uh, community members do. Noticing other people is part of our basic humanity. And many of us have been feeling this basic need during the pandemic period of relative isolation with television or group Zooms or webinars or reading. Uh, but we're in a new, a new moment now, and we can reconnect in, in many different ways. A pastor friend of mine who is just about to go on sabbatical uh, and I were, were talking uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I asked her what she planned to do during her time away. Um, I imagined that she would say travel or a spiritual retreat at a monastery or just spending time with family. What she actually said was, I'm going to go to neighborhoods that I'm unfamiliar with and people watch. This week, I had the opportunity to attend my sister-in-law's graduation from the Graduate School of Social Work at Fordham University in New York. The ceremony was live-streamed, so different than an in-person ceremony. Each graduate had less than a min minute on the screen, but the close-up photo they submitted, um, the words that they chose to accompany their graduation slide in the ceremony gave a tiny glimpse into e who each graduate was. So many different faces, each with their own story and their own journey. But what we saw was only a glimpse. Just like the fleeting moment of noticing an other while we're people watching. And because we only have this tiny piece of information, this, this tiny piece of the picture, it's natural for our minds to fill in the rest of the story. And while this may be a compelling or interesting or even lovely story that we create, it's just that. It's a story projected 
onto a very limited glimpse. The truth is that there's about a 100% chance that the story we imagine is not the actual story. It's not the actual case. Take our scripture today from the third chapter of John. This, this passage that you heard read contains one of the most quoted and references, referenced verses uh, in the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that all who believed him in him should not perish but have eternal life. You've probably heard this quoted or, or, or seen it posted. When it's quoted, it's often to assert that the belief in Jesus, the Son of God, is required by all. It's implied that the crucifixion of Jesus was the result of the love of God for the world when this verse is quoted. This then leads to all manner of theology based on this idea uh, that love and sacrifice are the same thing. But this interpretation has rarely been of benefit to oppressed groups. And what we know about the gospel is that it is to set at liberty those who are oppressed to grant freedom to the captives. And so it's a clue that, that this story about this verse is a constructed one. And this imagined story eclipses the real human choices, the real story, the real journey that the people involved in Jesus's life made. Look again at this scripture for God so loved the world that God gave God's Son, period. It doesn't say God gave God's Son to die. It doesn't say so God's Son could be crucified. No, this line is, is an in there. And this particular verse is part of a larger passage that introduces us to the character of Nicodemus. And when we include this larger story, this line, this verse, this John 3.16, becomes so much more complex, more nuanced, alive, and open to many interpretations. Widening our lens to include the beginning of this passage, we learn that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a member of the religious ruling council. The scripture tells us that he comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. What we are to understand from this is that Nicodemus has heard the stories of Jesus. In today's terms, it's like Nicodemus has looked at the disciples' Instagram feed or perused Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth Facebook page. Nicodemus maybe has read the tweets others have made about Jesus. He's constructed a whole story about who Jesus is and isn't based on these glimpses. The fact that the passage opens telling us that Nicodemus is a Pharisee and a member of the ruling religious council is telling us that Nicodemus comes to Jesus with certain preconceived notions and certain needs. And these preconceived notions and needs translate into biases. 
And these biases combined with what is really just a secondhand glimpse into the person of Jesus prevent Nicodemus from understanding truly what Jesus is offering. Jesus responds to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now what does this mean? Born again. This is this is this is part of what folks often re will refer to when they quote John three sixteen, that one must be born again. Nicodemus takes this literally and asks how anyone could re-enter their mother's womb. But Jesus tells him, "No, you're still stuck in your constructed story. What I'm offering is new life over." and over and over again through the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. As members of the church, this new life, this being born again, is what we experience over and over again. Every time the stories we construct based on our glimpses are blown away by the truth that comes from real relationships. Jesus is asking Nicodemus to put aside his certainty and his assumptions and enter into a freshness of being that is open to so much more. Jesus is asking Nicodemus to be humble and to enter into a transformational way of being that has empowered the miracles he's heard of on Jesus' first century Facebook page. There's always more to the story than what we see, but too often the glimpse and the story built on it becomes the narrative. And that narrative takes on a life of its own becoming reality, or at least something that drives other choices and perceptions. This is a kind of death because it takes away what is truly living. It's built on a misperception at best, a delusion at worst. Jesus invites us to be born again through humility and relationship, deep enough to know the whole story. There are so few places where we can come to know the real story people are living and how that story has evolved over time. One of those places is the church. Today is graduation Sunday. Every graduate we are honoring today has a story behind their accomplishment. And the blessing of being a part of a church community is we know so much of the story. There's no need to extrapolate and build a narrative from a, a fleeting glimpse. We've lived the journey with each other. Just think of our graduating seniors. We've had the privilege of being a part of their lives at a, at a most formative time in their journeys. And we know that each of them has overcome obstacles to thrive, showing remarkable resilience and faithfulness. We know their gifts and their graces. Being a graduate this year myself, I know that Epworth was a key part of that journey, the final piece of the puzzle in being able to finish my PhD after 11 years. We mark milestones together 
because we understand what the celebration is really about and we've walked the journey together to get to this moment. It's through journeying with each other over time that we learn that no one is one-dimensional. No one is up all the time. There isn't a person who hasn't suffered. We bear witness to things lifted up in prayer that blow away any narrative we may have concocted on our own. All of us are human. Journeying together over time, we also know and experience that conflicts can be healed. Even conflicts we thought were intractable. Grudges that may fester when we only know part of the story give way when a new dimension is revealed. We have witnessed the Holy Spirit make a way for someone when the way forward was not clear. We've celebrated not just graduations together, but also births, anniversaries of being sober, new jobs, and we've grieved together losses and even deaths. This is the church in action. This is the church alive, breathing, living. Sometimes in my life, people have said to me, well, the church, church is just a bunch of hypocrites. When I was a younger pastor, I, I was challenged in, 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 when people would say this to me. And, and I used to go to such great lengths, uh, such apologetics on behalf of the church. Now I just say, yes, we are hypocrites, but we're trying not to be. And knowing it and trying not to be makes all the difference. We see each other in our multidimensionality, and we have the privilege of seeing each other change, emerge, age, discover, and be transformed. This is what it means to have eternal life. We are known in our complexity. Our stories attach to other stories and then live on in the history of the community. This is what it means to be born again and again and again and again. This is the church. Amen.
for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week.